Welcome to the Lost Mystery Podcast with Anton and Evan. I'm Evan, and I've been a Lost fanatic from the beginning. And I'm Anton, experiencing the mysteries for the first time. Join us as we start from the very beginning and make our way to the very end. This is episode 47, where we're discussing A Tale of Two Cities from season 3 of Lost. she dies anyway. We all do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 47 of the Lost Mystery Podcast with Anton and Evan. I'm Evan. And I'm Anton. And we're discussing A Tale of Two Cities from season three of Lost. It's a Jack-centric episode and um, the season premiere of season three. We finished season two and we're straight into season three here. Um... Tell me first off, like what your general thoughts were about the episode. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know what to expect, you know, obviously with the ending of season two. I mean, I had anticipation, mm-hmm. but I didn't know where they would take us. But I really liked this uh, episode, episode because uh-huh. um, it just, I mean, it's typical lost stuff. I mean, when you think you're about to figure some stuff out, it just deepens the mystery. Yeah. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, I think yeah, you got some really deep mysteries you know uh opened up in this one and and there were some questions that were answered right i mean well i guess you can say they were answered because we actually know where the the uh, others are right uh at least in this particular setting this is where Mm -hmm. they they stay and you get to see them and how they interact with one another and just uh, i don't know to me it was a a really cool episode Yeah. yeah one thing i really like about it is that it opens up the whole scope like the size of the show and makes it so much bigger like you know seasons one and two there's definitely some mysterious things that happen oh, yeah. but it's more like um you know survivors versus bad guys right. kind of story yeah exactly this takes it and turns it into something totally different yeah oh yeah definitely uh, to where it's like a bigger story and maybe there's a whole lot more to learn than we thought you know yeah i mean that's exactly what i thought i was like you know i, I mean i i had a general understanding of of what, you know, my theories were, but mm-hmm. this, this episode, like you said, it just, it, it enlarged the mystery yeah. and the thought process that has to go behind this thing. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was actually really, really excited about it. Okay. Well, let's jump into it then here. Uh, the first thing I have is, you know, character stuff. We meet a character named Julie who's holding a book club meeting, right. you know, and she's kind of defending her book choice. And, uh, you know, when all of a sudden there's kind of an earthquake, everything starts shaking mm-hmm. They go outside and we see first Ethan, right, um, who was working on her plumbing apparently, 
And then a, the man formerly known as Henry Gale, and they look into the sky and they see Oceanic 815 crashing. Yeah. And let's listen to that scene. Okay. in the water. You run, you can make that shore in an hour. Ethan, get up there to that fuselage. There may actually be survivors. And you're one of them. A passenger, you're in shock. Come up with an adequate story if they ask. Stay quiet if they don't. Listen, learn, don't get involved. I want lists in three days. Go. So Henry tells, you know, Goodwin to go and to the tail section. Right. Basically sends him there and he tells Ethan to go to the fuselage mm-hmm. to po- and pose as a survivor, for yep. both of them to pose as survivors of the crash. He says, listen, learn, don't get involved. Yeah. Lists in three days. And, you know, what's interesting to me is, like, why did they send a group of people to blend in and pretend to be survivors? What were they wanting to find right. out? Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing that kind of struck me out of this is that, First off, obviously, it's like it's earthquake thing. Um, uh-huh. I don't know if we want to get into theories of that, why it seemed to be something like that. But mm-hmm. to me, it kind of reinforces the thought that uh, that I had that this is a this this place is a place all within itself, and uh-huh. that like whenever the plane was brought into this atmosphere or this area, right. it disrupt their world. I mean, uh-huh. there's an earthquake. It wasn't just, I mean, when a plane's crashing, you would notice it, but it wouldn't shake your house if, unless it was like, crashing into it. Mm-hmm. So there was something that definitely uh, that, uh, altered that. But also, they responded as if it were just an earthquake. Everybody in right. the doorways. Like, uh-huh. they were prepared for these types of things. Right. Also with that, whenever they run outside and they see this thing going on, it's almost like, to me, it's almost like they... they Thought, they figured this was going to happen or knew it was going to happen at some point because they had a plan. Yeah. You go here, you go there. Right. And he even said the fuselage, the fuselage, what do you ever say? Yeah, fuselage. Fus- fuselage. It's yeah. hard to say. Come yeah. on. <laughs> and, the, and then yeah, the, the uh, they call it the rear, the rear section, you uh-huh. know, and he said, you go there, you go there. Like, I mean, like it was a plan. I mean, yeah. if I went out, I'd be like, there's a plane breaking in half. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'd freak out, you know? Yeah. And what also is interesting is, I mean, we now know that, you know, um, Ethan was a doctor. Right, yeah. You know, so why is Ethan, like, first he's doing the plumbing under, you know, Juliet's house. Exactly. And then he's like, okay, you know, Ethan, you get out there and pose as a survivor, you know, even though you're not trained in covert operations. Right. Let's, let's but, get you out there and into the field. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, like, to me, it seems like this thing is pre-planned. Who uh-huh. we go, why they would go, you know, um, they were, and, but I mean, I don't think they knew it was going to happen at this moment. Right. But like this would happen at some point and then yeah. they responded, they mm-hmm. were quick, you know, I don't know. This was really interesting to watch that unfold from right. the other perspective, obviously. Yeah. And of course we know now that, you know, the reason the plane crashed is because of the, you know, the Swan station, mm-hmm. the, the electric or the magnetic charge built up so much that it pulled the plane mm-hmm. into the Island. Mm-hmm. So that could explain, I guess, part why they had that earthquake. That's true. The violent earthquake That's beforehand. True. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how big the whole source of that magnetic energy is, but I guess it could be big enough mm-hmm. to vibrate the island. Yeah, that definitely. Much. I get it. Yeah. 
And then, of course, the big reveal is that this little community where they've all been living and, you know, having their little book club meetings is on the island, mm-hmm. which yeah. was really cool. Yeah, I, 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 you know, when I saw the plane crashing, I'm using hand gestures, you can't tell, yeah. but I'm using <laughs> you hand, uh, my hand as a plane. As it crashed, <laughs> I, I was noticing that it, it did look like it was on the island. I would thought maybe it was another island or something uh-huh. like that, but it looked like, you know, it, w- it was part of the island that just had been cleared off for their commune or whatever you want to yeah, call it you know right uh so you you say and and it's clear that that is one island correct on that particular, yeah it particular. looks like it looked like it to me okay yeah yeah me too at that point i just didn't know if there was like you know i saw their island and they crashed on an island back behind it right you know yeah, that's so. true. yeah that could be too i guess so in a flashback you know we see jack sitting in his car watching sarah mm. you know he seems very bitter it's just a really quick scene yeah but it sets up the rest of the scene really well, or the rest of the show really right. well. Um, he's clearly not been happy since they you know, split up, and he's been following her, trying to figure out who in the world she's seeing, and just really, like, it's engulfed his life completely. Mm-hmm. And uh, then on, on the island, in a holding cell somewhere, Jack wakes up and finds that he's, you know, had an injection of some kind. And he starts, you know, walking and runs into a huge plate glass wall. So it looks like he's in some kind of observation slash holding cell yeah, yeah. type thing. And in a locker room somewhere, you know, Kate wakes up and, you know, Tom is standing there kind of watching her. And he tells her to take a nice hot shower. And she says she's not showering in front of him, you know, to which he responds, Kate, you're not, not my, my type. T- yeah. <laughs> He, he must he must like his women ugly. Yeah. <laughs> You're way too good looking for me. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was, that was, it was interesting how they, um, I'm sure we're going to talk about each one, but like how each one woke up in their, the environment they woke up in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm sure we're going to talk about that, but. No, I'll, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. To me, it just, it's really crazy. And I could be reaching on this one, but they woke up in almost surroundings that are like really gross versions of what they do in life you know like i had totally didn't even think of that jack wakes up on like an operating table okay uh, an operating table you know with this observatory type thing behind uh-huh. him and then sawyer wakes up in a cage because right. he's like this animal mm-hmm. you know and so it seems like he's just like an animal brute kind of guy and then you put you put kate <laughs> and then you have kate in a locking room which you know we know are biggest fantasies always to be like a cheerleader on a <laughs> yeah, team or yeah. exactly to be like <laughs> no, i'm curious everybody. to see how you're going to connect the, well, with kate, the locker room to kate no it wasn't really the locker room it was the fact that they wanted her to be a woman like okay clean her up right you know and she had she's had this like crazy background like where she's been on the run she's been hardcore right. mm-hmm. first thing they do is say take a shower put on a dress yeah you know it's like they kind of put them in these situations and, and you know i mean to me if you put jack in the locker room and put, him, put a suit on him, it doesn't have the same effect as Kate. Yeah, because it seems so against what she's all about. Exactly. Same right. with the Sawyer thing, you know. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. it, with the Pav- Pavlov uh, type, mm-hmm. you know, exactly what that was. I mean, right. it's the whole, you know, get the dog, but in this case it was bears, to right. do something and then they yeah. salivate type thing. Mm-hmm. And you knew, like, that's exactly what Sawyer would do. Right. He'd try to figure it out, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got that animal instinct. So right. I just thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, how they interacted with each one of them. So. Right. So, like you said, in a cage somewhere, you know, Sawyer wakes up and, and sees a large tank of some kind. Mm-hmm. It's kind of outside of his cage, and it had a new Dharma symbol on the mm-hmm. side of it. It, was, it looked kind of like an octopus or something. Yeah. Some kind of sea creature or something. Mm-hmm. And across the way from him is another cage with a young guy in it. And yeah. he starts, you know, talking to the guy who, 
you know, has his back to him and Sawyer notices some kind of contraption in his cage that has a kind of a knife, knife and fork painted on it. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, pushes the large button and it says warning. <laughs> and then he pushes it again. And it says war warning. And he's about to push it again. And the guy in the other cage says, I wouldn't do that. You know, to which obviously Sawyer has a smart aleck remark mm-hmm. and he pushes it again and it shocks him like hardcore. Oh yeah. Like knocks him back against the other end of the cage. Yeah. So it's clearly like it's it's some like you said some conditioning system yeah. that was supposed to teach those bears that were in there something mm-hmm. so they could eventually figure out how to make it work without shocking them mm-hmm. and still get their food out of it. Yeah. Which was very interesting to me. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, just it just reverted me back to psychology class. Yeah. Is all you know, <laughs> I was like this is definitely some type of you know, they're they're watching how long it took them to learn and you know mm-hmm. um which we hear later. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of a funny remark, yeah. you know. <laughs> so. so, you know, back in Jack's cell, you know, he's missing around trying to find a way to get out when Julie comes and, you know, tells him to stop. And she tells him her name is Juliet. Mm-hmm. So we finally, we get, you know, properly introduced to this character and she's going to become a, you know, more of a part of this episode. Yeah. And in a flashback, you know, Jack goes to meet with his ex-wife about their divorce, and he tells her that, you know, he's sorry for pushing them to the point of getting a divorce. And just then, she gets a phone call. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, it's from her new man, and, and Jack's clearly obsessed with who this new guy is and asks her over and over and over who the man is, mm-hmm. and she just leaves. And I thought that scene was really painful. Oh, yeah. Because it's clear that, like, she's she's done. She's passed. She's over it. Mm-hmm. And has moved on, and there's no potential for, uh, for anything to happen again with them. Yeah, no, and, and it's she's just over. over. Yeah, she's definitely over it. Which is painful because Jack obviously is still so attached, and seems like in a lot of ways he doesn't understand what he had done to break them up in the first place, mm-hmm. or if he is, you know, um, hasn't changed any of that. Yeah, really. Yeah, no. Um, my uh, my wife hates uh, Sarah. Really? Yeah. I can't stand her because she, yeah, and I keep trying to, you know, talk to her and say, look, you got to understand. Now we talk like this is our friends. Mm-hmm. Jack, you know, just can't yeah. let go. You know, he's trying to fix people, you know? And, uh, you know, I tell her all the time, you know, it's like, you know, he may, he knows that he's, he's messed up, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's, it's his person that is, the, is wrong. It's not something that he can, he doesn't, it doesn't seem like Jack has the ability to stop. Right. His personality is the problem. Right. Yeah. And he can't change it. And she's like, yeah, but da, da, da. She's, she's really mad at Sarah right now. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how that relationship mends itself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so Kate gets out of the shower, and, you know, there's a locker with a label on it that says to wear this. And like you said, it's a dress, mm-hmm. which, which seems so out of place for her. Yeah. Like it did not, I mean, seem like her at all. Right. And she gets it on, and, you know, Tom responds with an approving whistle and says, yeah. you know, come on, he's waiting. And he then takes her to the beach where Henry is waiting for her with a table full of food. And I thought we would listen to that scene. Okay. Sorry, I'm going to have to ask you to put those on. And if I don't? And you don't get any coffee. (laughs) 
a little tighter. Please. What did you do with Sawyer and Jack? Now, why Sawyer? Why Sawyer what? It's the first one you asked about. What did you do with Sawyer and Jack? You don't know me. Of course I don't. I want my clothes back. We burned them. Why did you bring me here? Why did you make me put on this dress? Why are you feeding me breakfast? I brought you here so you'd look out at the water and feel comforted. Comforted that your friends were looking out at the same ocean. I gave you the dress so you'd feel like a lady. And I wanted you to eat your food with a real-life fork and feel civilized. I did all those things so that you'd have something nice to hold on to. Because, Kate, the next two weeks are going to be very unpleasant. So what I thought was interesting right off the, the bat from this scene was the fact that he made her put on handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And, and it really makes it look like to to them, she's a very dangerous person. Yeah. Like they feel like they need to protect themselves from her. This isn't like a, you know, a criminal having breakfast with a criminal. Right. This is like, you know, this guy who is afraid of her mm-hmm. and wants to protect himself from her and makes her put on handcuffs in order for her to be able to sit down with him. See, I looked at it from a different perspective. Oh, yeah? What did, what did you think? My perspective was that he wanted her to know who she, who she was. Oh, yeah. You know, like okay? she came there, she had these marks on her wrist. He knows that she's this, you know, outlaw. Mm-hmm. And it's just putting her in per- perspective the same way they did with Jack. You know, they, you know, we'll talk about him later. But, uh, you know, they want these people to know we know who you are. Right. You know, and the fact that she put on those handcuffs reverted her right back That's to That's a his. great point. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, we'll remind you who you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though you're on this island and you're running around free, you belong in the handcuffs, exactly. that kind of thing. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah, to me, I saw it more of like, um, this is not like, you know, oh, I can't think of the phrase I'm thinking of, but these aren't, you know, bad guys talking with bad guys. Gotcha, yeah. It was just them trying to protect themselves. Right. Then, of course, you know, they he made a comment about them burning her clothes, mm-hmm. which seemed kind of odd and like why right. to me. And then he makes the comment that the next two weeks are going to be very unpleasant. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I don't know what's you know, about to happen with them, but all I can see is, I mean, I'll, it just to me, it seems like um, they're going to have to, you know, face some you know, hard, the hard things with, you know, like either in their past or their mm-hmm. fears. Um, but, and also I thought about them running tests. I mean, it just seems like this thing is some type of like, I still believe, you know, some scientific experiment right. and that they're mm-hmm. going to really, really push them. Right. You know? Yeah. And what's interesting to me too, is, you know, obviously the end of the, the season two finale, we see them, you know, kind of with the bags around their heads and they're mm-hmm. being held captive. It's cool to see now exactly what happened after that. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, if what we're seeing now 
is very similar to what other people who've been taken by yeah. the others, if mm-hmm. that's what they experienced. Right. Or if this is something totally different because of these particular people. Yeah, yeah. It's, I thought about that as we, as they were over there or, you know, they woke up in these conditions. And mm-hmm. I thought, I wonder if the kids did the same thing or the, the other adults. I was like, if so, or is Jack and Kate and Sawyer about to be released? Right. Gone? Mm-hmm. Because we haven't seen the others. Or are they going to be put in another little part of the island that the kids and everybody are at? Right. You know, it's like, it seems like there's there's kind of been, at this point, a progression. You get captured. Yeah. Something happens and then anybody sees you. Yeah, and I'll tell you what's so odd, too, is to compare what we're seeing right now with, you know, from, I think it was in the first season where... Echo and Jen were laying under the bushes and mm-hmm. watched those others walk past and how creepy they seem. Yep. Like how different does oh, yeah. everything seem now? Everybody except for Henry or well, his name, we yeah. actually got this time, Ben. Right. He's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> I, at this point, he's freak you know, to me. Um, his, his eyes, he just scares me. I don't yeah. know. It's, you know, but anyways, maybe I'll end up being like, Oh, he's such a great guy later. Yeah. But, it'd be but like, that, like Jen and yeah, at this who point else was it that you hated at first. I forget. Um, I don't know. I know Jen. I wanted to fight, <laughs> and oh, I wanted to fight Locke's boss, but I still don't think I want to oh, fight yeah. him. Yeah. So Randy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> but yeah, maybe at some point I'll be like, oh, Ben's such a good guy. Yeah. Ben but, is so misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> what is so mean to him? So in a flashback, you know, Jack continues his mission to find out, you know, who the man is that Sarah is seeing, mm-hmm. and you know, Christian shows up and finds out what he's doing. Right. And he calls one of the next number on the list, you know, on her cell phone, and it's Christian's cell phone. Oh, yeah. So, of course, you know, it's trying to lead us to believe, I think, that Christian was involved with Sarah. Well, at least that's what Jack was led yeah, to believe. Least, yeah, Jack latches onto that I, pretty quick. <laughs> I never thought that, but I was yeah. like, if it is, oh, wow. But yeah. but I just I just saw, you know, dis, despair, and it's a desperate man in Very Jack. Very desperate. Yeah, yeah desperate is a great know, word. So he I, was wanting to know who it was so bad that he would accept any, you know, any the slightest hint of it being a person. Oh yeah. He would totally latch onto it. Yeah, and he already disliked his father. So what better? You uh-huh. know, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I, just another I hate excuse you more. to hate him. Yeah, man. yeah. So in his cell, you know, Jack begins hearing some of the things that you know Christian had just said in his flashback mm-hmm. on the small speaker in his room. Which again, we had this conversation a long time ago mm-hmm. about how these flashbacks are so connected right. to what's happening to them on the island. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? why in the world would it make any sense for, if it's just a memory, right. you know, if Jack starts having a memory, you know, in that cell of all of this stuff happening, mm-hmm. and then the moment that memory is over, he starts hearing it through that speaker. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense anymore, you know, how these flashbacks are related to what's going on on the island. I, I mean, I agree. I, I, I definitely think that there's still something there but i'm lost at to what right you know but it does seem like um they're i mean they may be some type of daydream but there's a more effect mm-hmm. in real life than a daydream you know? right and i also think too they've kind of given us a hint with the whole sound that it makes mm-hmm. every time they go in and out of a flashback yeah. it, it's not just something they're doing to show that it's a flashback no. it has to be an indication of exactly what that flashback is oh to yeah me. definitely so, yeah, I mean, this was just another great example of the flashback having a really direct effect on what's going on on the island. Yeah. And I don't think this is just Jack's head, you know, playing tricks no, on him. I don't either. But either way. 
Oh, anyway, anyway, uh, she, you know, Juliet comes in and mm-hmm. to give him some food, and and she also tells him that the the intercom hasn't worked in years, mm-hmm. which again I don't think it's in his head. And you know, she asks him questions about himself, you know, what he does, and he says he's a repo man, which mm-hmm. I kind of like that that whole scene. I'm a repo man, you know. Yeah, it's just like. <laughs> Totally doesn't match up with who no. <laughs> who he is. He's pretty he, pretty quick on his feet yeah, though to answer that one. He's though. pretty trim, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, and he says that he's not married because he never saw the point. Mm-hmm. And he also tells her that where you know where they were. Com- he does tell her where they were coming from. Yeah, he says they were coming from you know Australia, and he tells her that he was on the plane you know to bring his father back home and bury him. Mm-hmm. And he asks her you know what's going on here, trying to get an answer about what's yeah. going on, and, and she just leaves. Yeah. So, you know, in his cage, you know, the man or Sawyer, you know, the man across the, in the cage across from Sawyer, you know, the guy starts asking him how far away their camp is. Yeah. And, you know, what are the people like, et cetera. And uh, just then the man gets out of his cage, uh, goes over and lets Sawyer out and they both start running. And soon thereafter, you know, Juliet catches Sawyer and tases him, you know, hardcore and we find out that, you know, the man who let him out, his name was Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tom takes him, you know, makes him apologize to, to Sawyer for involving him mm-hmm. in his breakout attempt. And I just, the first thing that came to my mind is what kind of prison is this? Like, yeah. were, they, were they forced the inmates to apologize? apologize. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to so each you're other? sorry, Carl. So you're sorry, Carl. <laughs> and but, then they, like, take him away. That was kind of freaky. They didn't put him back in a cage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I you know though but I can't I can't I don't know seem to think that maybe that was all set up mm-hmm. you know like Carl's one of them and this was another one of those things where where it was just you know what will Sawyer do type thing I don't know I just for whatever reason I don't know who Carl is so it makes right. me think he's one of them you know yeah like he's like they planted them there to see yeah. how Sawyer would respond uh-huh. and all that stuff yeah I see what you mean so. um you know, Juliet tells Jack that the, the drugs they gave him has the side effect of, you know, making them dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Made, again, she's trying to feed him. You know, she's like this kind old southern grandmother who, you know, refuses to let you, you know, be in her house if, unless she's feeding you. If there's a grandma that looks like that out there, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, finally he agrees and you know, assumes the feeding position so, he, you know, she can bring in the food and... But, of course, that doesn't work. As soon as yeah. she opens the door, you know, he rushes her and, you know, gets her around the neck. Well, this, the first, the first time, though, no, this one, <laughs> he goes and sits back on against the wall. Right. And she turns around and walks out. Doesn't give him the food. Oh, no, I don't remember that. Yeah, like, like he, um, like, okay, so she, I mean, the, like, you think she's going to give him this food. He goes over and he's all, like, defeated, sits down. And then she turns around, walks out, and doesn't now, feed him. I didn't think it was. I thought that she was trying to get him to sit down so she could feed him, but he refused. He basically just walked around in the corner and scowled and refused to comply with what she was telling him. Well, to do. that's what the grilled cheese. Oh okay? yeah, the grilled <laughs> the grilled cheese. That is that happened. Okay, <laughs> I will base this on food. Okay, okay. then he, she comes back in. She comes back for the ham sandwich. And yes, that's a different story. something or another. But he was when she tells him the medicine that they've given you or the what they used on you will you right. know, cause you to dehydrate. So he, he goes and sits against the wall. Right. She gets up, walks out. Like, you know, like, I mean, the way I took it was not, I may have watched it wrong, but it seemed like she didn't, she was like, he submitted 
and she never fed him. Oh, no, him. no. I know what's going on here. The part, there, it's a room that's separated in the middle by glass. So she had to go around. She had to go out her part and then go back into his part. Okay, because they split that up. They did. They as she left yeah. the room, they went to another scene. So I thought she came back another time, no, and I was like, no. "Man, that is just wrong." <laughs> he's you know broke his will, and now he's, she just walks out. <laughs> She's trying to break his stubbornness. That's what I thought. That's just, just what I thought. <laughs> no, no, she she goes. She does follow oh, okay. through with her promise to Got feed you. him. Got you. Okay. So, you know he gets her. You know at gets blah, he gets her to the door, mm-hmm. the front door of this hatch. And, you know, she says she can't open the door or else they will all die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ben shows up and, and says she's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jack throws her out of the way and, you know, opens the door and water starts rushing in. Yeah. And eventually they get the door closed and Juliet totally knocks Jack out. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. But Good. but it's it's interesting that, like, as soon as she knocks him out, she, like, grabs him under the water, pulls him up to make sure he's okay. Yeah. Like, these are some very, like nurturing oh, yeah. nice people except like, for henry yeah or, <laughs> except, i'm sorry ben except for benry yeah yeah i mean these are not like criminal people no they don't seem like it at all i mean yeah, i mean it would take a lot for me to cradle some guy's head like pull him out of the water and cradle, <laughs> cradle his head so <laughs> yeah. he doesn't drown oh, poor Jack. <laughs> but she did lay one on him she had some ethan strength, some yeah. strength going on there right yeah but yeah it just it the fact that you know the, this is underwater, obviously, you mm-hmm. know, all the water rushes in, was really interesting. Yep. And I think um, you know we find out more about this in a moment. Yeah, yeah, we we do. But go ahead. I mean, I was gonna say, I still think that they're underwater, anyways. But or something or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, you know, Jack sees Christian. You know, in a flashback. You know, he gets a call on his cell phone. And he's laughing. You know, he's clearly having a grand old time with mm-hmm. you know whoever he's talking to. Mm-hmm. And he follows Christian after that, and he ends up in a room full of people. You know, ends up being an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I'm yeah. assuming. And you know, Jack makes a total fool out of himself. Oh yeah. In front of everyone, and you know, then the group leader tells him that Christian has been sober for 50 days. And, uh, you know, Jack assumes that being with Sarah is what gave him the strength to, oh, to get on the wagon in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, Christian says, I'm your father and just please let it go. So he doesn't deny the fact that he's been involved with Sarah, but just yeah. kind of basically dismisses it as being totally ridiculous. Which I did as well. But yeah. it just, this this is awful. I mean, the fact that, you know, he comes busting in this meeting, you know, in one place that Christian should have been. Mm-hmm. And he just, I mean, totally makes a fool of himself. I mean, yeah. you do see how desperate he is, though, but oh, my gosh. I yeah. mean, just painful to watch. Right. Really. And what I did think was interesting about that whole meeting was that they they really seemed to know who Jack was oh, yeah. right away. Definitely. And this is all way before the whole issue happened where, you know, Jack got Christian fired and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So it made me wonder what Christian had been talking about so much that they felt so familiar with Jack. Yeah, I mean, I, he assumed bad things, but I, I'm wondering if he he hadn't been kind of bragging. I don't know, because the lady that was leading the group said, oh, you must be Jack. Why, why don't you sit down and join us? Like yeah. it, like it was, was a, a problem. Yeah, true. I mean, I mean, it, it could definitely could be. I mean, but I don't understand, like, why she'd want him to join. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I mean, I've did counseling in my past, in the past. And if I had somebody that was part of an issue or mm-hmm. whatever, I wouldn't want to bring the two together right. in that setting. Uh-huh. You know, if it was like, 
he was going to brag on him or something like that, or there's some stuff that he needed to say to him, then I, I could see him, them bringing them in. Mm-hmm. You know, this would be a great opportunity for you to tell right. him what you've told us. Yeah, they're not going to force them to confront each no, other no, no. in front of everybody right, right. else. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean there. But I did think it was interesting that clearly that he had talked about Jack in some way. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, enough like to where lot. they knew him, exactly. they knew his name. Like, how many times would you listen to somebody else talk about someone and – you know, you'd have to hear him talk about him several times before yeah. you would remember that person's name. Yep, and have enough. You know, I mean, when he, you know, he didn't walk in and say, "Hey, by the way, I'm Jack. I'm about to fight my dad." <laughs> you know, it was like, "Hey, he everybody, walked, it's Jack. Watch out." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does have that mentality, but it didn't happen yeah. this time. But you know, when he walked in, just by his demeanor and his presence, they mm-hmm. she goes, "Oh, you must be Jack." Yeah. You know, she, she knew enough about him to call him out. Right. You know. That's, now, it could actually just be that he had mentioned it, all of this divorce stuff in this group. That's true. About how much he'd been struggling with it and how he had been trying to help, yeah. but couldn't really do much about it. Yeah, I that, mean, that, that would be sense. a perfectly good explanation yeah. for, for what's going on, I mm-hmm. think. Okay, so in the cage, you know, Sawyer finally figures out how to work the contraption and ends up getting, you know, a treat in the form of a fish-shaped, you know, biscuit that says Dharma mm-hmm. on it. And uh, Tom brings Kate, you know, to the cage across the way and where Carl was earlier and locks her up. Um, he says to Sawyer, hey, you got yourself a fish biscuit, you know. <laughs> and uh, Sawyer says, yeah, I, I figured out your complicated gizmo. Um, and Tom says it only took the bears two hours. Right. Um, so apparently they had animals locked up in these cages. At polar bears. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, they definitely said bears, so yeah. I'm assuming it was polar bears. Yeah. But... Did did you get the sense that all of this stuff was really old? Yeah, I mean, like if, seemed, even if they had bears in there, it looked like it had been a long time ago. Yeah, it definitely seemed seemed old. I mean, the whole place, yeah, did. like the cages seemed really old. Where Jack was, I mm-hmm. mean, it looked like it had been used forever. Right, you know. And then, of course, in Jack's cell, you know, Juliet confirms that they are underwater, mm-hmm. and uh, let's listen to that scene. Okay. So you people are just whatever's left over of them. Well, that was a long time ago. It doesn't matter who we were. It only matters who we are. We know exactly who you are. Jack Shepard. You don't know anything about me. I want to know that you're a spinal surgeon based out of St. Sebastian's Hospital in Los Angeles. I know that you went to Columbia and you graduated med school a year faster than anyone else. I know that you were married only once and that you contested the divorce. 
I know your father died in Sydney. I know this because I have a copy of his autopsy report. How did you get? We got it. What is that? This, Jack, is your life. Do you... Is it just about me or is it about my family too, my... my friends? It's pretty much about everything. Do you know about my... about my ex-wife? Sarah. Yes, Jack. We know all about her. What would you like to find out? Shepard, someone posted your bail. Just us. It's not gonna change. Look, anything. I want to know. I need to know who he is. It doesn't matter who he is. It just matters who you're not. Jack, your father. You called me to help you. He was so drunk I could hardly understand him. What would you like to find out? Is she... Is she happy? Yes, Jack. She's very happy. So a great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we find out several things. Um, first, the station is called the Hydra. Yeah. Um, they are underwater, like I said before. Um, and Juliet makes the comment, it doesn't matter who they are. It only matters. Oh, wait a minute. 
No, that's what that's what uh, Sarah. Oh, it doesn't matter who they were. It only matters who we are. Ex- oh, okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Juliet makes the comment because mm-hmm. he's asking all about the, you know, like so you guys are the ones left over from the Dharma mm-hmm. Initiative and all this stuff, and um, and of course she knows a ton about Jack. Yeah, like pretty much everything about him. Yeah, and you know Jack wants to know how Sarah is doing and if she's happy, and Juliet says she's very happy. Mm-hmm. And in the flashback, you know, Sarah gets Jack out of jail and, and then she's off again. But we do find out that, you know, Christian had been talking with her in order to try and help Jack. Yeah. And he also ended up falling off the wagon after all of this stuff happened with Jack. And Jack attacked him in that meeting and all of this stuff, which was terrible. And clearly, yeah, when Jack found that out, he was really upset, too. Like he realized at that moment that his selfishness and being so obsessed basically you know, knocked his father back into a rut Mm -hmm. and, you know, which was really terrible. I mean, Jack was like totally crashing down at this point. And by the time we get back to, you know, modern time, he's sitting in that cell and just totally is a waste. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that was, I was just awful. I mean, the fact that he, you know, knows that he's the reason why his dad fell off the sobriety Mm -hmm. wagon, you know, and just, I mean, I, and ultimately, probably the reason why he drank himself to death. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, you know, he was been sober for fifty days. There's no reason to think that he couldn't have continued that. Right. Had this extra stress had entered his life, uh-huh. and, and just um, the thing with with you know Sarah, uh, you know, everybody you thought he was going to ask who is he, but instead mm-hmm. he asked, "Is she happy?" You yeah. know, and I mean, yep. I'm sure it was like he wanted her to be happy and he kind of realized about himself that he was the problem. Mm-hmm. And he probably, I think that's what he realized at that moment. But still, right. if he, I mean, he obviously still loves her. I mean, mm-hmm. it, his heart was broke. I mean, just a painful scene yeah. to watch. And it seemed like he came to terms with that now. Mm-hmm. It yeah, wasn't yeah. like in the past at some point he came to terms with the idea that she was with somebody else. Right. It's like just at that point. Yep. Mm-hmm. He decided that, you know, all he really cared about was that she was happy and mm-hmm. she was, you know, that she was enjoying her life. Right. And then, but of course, it's kind of like, I wondered about, you know, we haven't heard much from Jack about this stuff until no. now. I mean, we've heard, we heard the reference in the scene with Desmond way back when Desmond first left the hatch. Mm-hmm. They had the conversation when he told Desmond that he, he had married Sarah and and that it didn't work out and all yeah. that stuff. But that's pretty much the only reference we've had to the fact that Jack was not married anymore. Right. Yeah. So it was really interesting to see kind of like how big of a burden that was for a long time yeah. and then actually see it, you know, kind of come full circle now, mm-hmm. finally. Well, finally, the thing that I had was, you know, obviously the mystery is solved with the identity of Henry Gale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Julie comes out from her talk with Jack and, you know, the artist formerly known as Henry says, you know, good work, Juliet. Yeah. And she says, thank you, Ben. You know, so we finally know the guy's real name and I don't have to struggle so much with calling him Henry anymore. Yeah. Because, yeah. man, that has totally killed me. <laughs> man, because I would even see Henry in my notes and still my mind would kind of instantly swap Henry with Ben. Nice. Because I would picture his face. Yeah. And it's been killing me like crazy. That's awesome. So I'm very excited. And now we can call him Ben. Yeah. And I'll still probably call him Henry, but. Yeah. (laughs) Or Benry. Yeah, either way. Works. Works. Did you have anything else from the episode? I I feel like there was something else I wanted to discuss. 
um, but I can't recall now what it was. I mean, the uh, only thing I had was a Sawyer, his softer side came out in this mm-hmm. episode. I mean, obviously, he's, so- he's always soft towards um, Kate, but, you know, it's just the it kind of last scene where he throws her, you know, his biscuit and yeah. just kind of, uh, I don't know, he just, he just seems like... Um, my wife even noticed he's just a much more likable person right. in this episode. You yeah, know. and that's what what I liked. We talked to, you know, about the long con a while back where mm-hmm. at the end of the episode it reveals some master plan that he had to get all the weapons back. Yeah. And, There's a new sheriff in town, boys. You yeah. Know? And, and that, like now, the Sawyer we see now is more like the Sawyer they were leading up to yeah. before that episode yep. came. So it's almost like they realized that you know, we need to make Sawyer more of a changed man mm-hmm. rather than keep going back to this whole con man thing. I agree. We need to grow the character a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I'll, and I like this episode a whole lot. Yeah, I think it's a great episode too. Well, we have a couple of voicemails, so let's take a listen to those. All right. Hey, guys, it's Greg from Atlanta. Um, you can always use what I call in on, on your podcast. Um, love the show. Uh, <laughs> the contest study is interesting. Um and uh, I'm going to try to call in with, with some theories and stuff. But uh, this one, actually, I can't talk about because the question mark uh, really opened up something that I've been thinking about in, in Season 5. So, um, like Evan said, it's, uh, it, it really goes and goes well with what's happening now. So, um, But I've got to try to think of stuff as it happens um, and, and not do any spoilers. So I'll work on that. But I uh, love the show, and uh, it's really giving me insight into the future here. All right. We'll see you. Bye. Thanks, Greg, for your message. I actually, if you could email us at info at lostmysterypodcast.com and in the subject, mark it as a spoiler because yeah. I am absolutely dying to know <laughs> what you're referencing from the question mark. Uh, so please email us about that. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Here's another e- voicemail. Hi, guys. It's Josie calling from New York. I just wanted to give you a call first to say thank you for doing this awesome podcast. I love it. Um, First-time caller, long-time listener. I just felt like I, I owed it to you guys to call in just because, you know, you're awesome. Um, I'm not sure what episode you have recorded as of right now, but I think you're going to be doing the season premiere, the season finale of season two. And I just have to say that that episode, just looking back on it, it was it was epic. It was just epic. And the wait from season two to season season three, I could have killed someone. Anyway, uh, I'll keep this short. Um, thanks again, and I'll get a call back sometime in the near future. Bye, guys. Thanks so much, Josie, for the kind words about the show. Uh, it is a, a lot of fun, and we really appreciate getting great feedback from you guys um, anytime we get it. And uh, yeah, the season two finale was awesome, oh, as yeah. noted, you know, by our two-hour-long show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was uh, great. But I'm just as excited to be into season three. Yeah, definitely. You know, the things that I know about Lost and the things Anton knows about Lost are slowly converging, and it's it's getting really, really exciting to talk about this stuff. Hey, Anton and Evan, it's Heath from the Lost Revisited Now podcast. Um, Calling in on a few things. Uh, first off, I just want to say your podcast, the pace, the information, how you hit the top points is just probably the best way to podcast about rewatches. Uh, you guys do such a great job, and it goes unsaid, but um, you really ha- 
have a good thing going. And I think when it's all said and done, your podcast, uh, the way you revisit the old episodes is going to be one of the best. So, uh, great job, you guys. All right. Live Together, Die Alone is now my all-time favorite episode. Um, I just, there's so much. I'm just going to go over a few points. And this is more uh, the questions I have directed at towards Anton, what he thinks. But um, what do you think of, I mean, they brought back this character of Desmond, who's only in a couple of episodes, and now he's like the focus, the focus for the finale. Uh, I remember when I... Uh, watched it first it was like wow this is pretty amazing but of course in the end of the episode you're like wow this Desmond character is awesome um, I love the bits how we see how the little connections of what went on in the hatch while the losties had crashed in season one and how he was living there but what's amazing to me is that Desmond crashed the plane by not putting in the numbers pretty pretty amazing uh season two i think a lot of people were discouraged but watching season five now i think what we're learning now is going to enhance this whole season i think when it's all said and done we're going to go back to season two and be like wow there was a lot of things there that we thought were just like oh whatever but that are important and i think again as you guys are figuring out and will is Lost is a puzzle, and there's a lot of pieces, and we may not know all the pieces till the end, but I believe season two will be one of the better rewatch seasons after Lost is all said and done. Uh, but just wanted you to think of uh, what you think's going to happen to the Jack, Kate, and Sawyer on the dock and uh, for season three, and uh, what you thought of the episode. And how do you like this Desmond character now that he's back and we learned a lot about him? All right, guys, sorry for the long-winded call, but uh, this, again, is my favorite episode of all time. And keep up the great work, and I will continue to be listening. Namaste and good luck. Thanks so much, Heath. I'll, I'll turn this over to you about the questions he had. Okay. Um, about Desmond being kind of the focus of the season finale, even though we had really only seen a little bit from him mm-hmm. the rest of the, sh- the season. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's a great point that Heath brought up because, um, you know, I, I there was a point, you know, in the beginning that you know Desmond was, you know, just a small factor, uh, but as he left the hatch, I kind of just wrote him off. Mm-hmm. I didn't think much more about it. I just kind of right. was like, he's gone. But I mean, if I would have actually thought about it, I would have probably assumed that he was wandering around somewhere because, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't. Th- well, my only, only other theory was that he was part of this. Dharma group. Mm-hmm. That was kind of what I thought when, and then, you know, I was like, this was just a part of what they did. You know, they let, you know, it was all set up for them to find mm-hmm. this hatch and then for them to him relieve and say these things. But it is such an interesting thing to have him back and to see his story. I mean, even to have the flashbacks with like his life. Right. Added so much. And then to see things from his perspective, yeah. I, I was just so excited. Um, it's It was so uh, actually as easy as it probably would have been to to predict it was i i it was a i was oblivious to it yeah so it was just so shocking and, and mm-hmm. such an insight for yeah me. and so exciting to me too like i mean we've we've gotten to know these characters very well mm-hmm. and to have one more guy that has so much mystery surrounding him yeah to be thrown into that as well i mean the whole idea of him being on that race 
you know, all of the stuff that happened with, you know, Widmore that right. made him need to get his honor in the first place, mm-hmm. why he was in prison, you know, the whole issue of whether or not he actually knew when he was going to die, the whole book issue, you know, of him having that book he was going to read. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of, like, super interesting things surrounding Desmond. Oh, I agree. That, that are going to be a lot of fun to learn more about over time. Yeah, definitely. And then he mentioned, you know, the connections of all the stuff that Desmond was going was doing in the hatch as the survivors were kind of carrying out life above ground, like Locke banging on the hatch door and mm-hmm. Desmond being down there just kind of living, you know, probably going to the bathroom, like Locke said. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just the the cool fact of, like, all of the neat stuff that happened in season one, that entire time there's this guy living underground, you know, that we knew nothing about. Right. Exactly. And the cool little connections that they make, you know, throughout, mostly in that season finale, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, there's other stuff. that I mean, like the whole time Boone and Locke were trying to break into that hatch, he was down there probably yep. freaking out, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, what's even crazy is even that there's a there's a hatch door that was mm-hmm. discovered, but there was so much put in to find getting into the top part whenever yeah. there was a door around the corner somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even finding that stuff out was like, yeah. oh man, you know, so. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, I mean, you would think, well, maybe you wouldn't assume that there was another way in, but yeah, I would have, I would think as much time as they spent out there in the jungle around that right, area, like, they would have found that exactly. other door, the other entryway. Yeah. And then the last thing you mentioned was, you know, the whole idea of this season two being kind of the key to the show. Obviously, um, we're just now into season three, yeah. but but man, is it true? I mean, this, there's a lot of stuff even so far in season five that like makes reference to season two stuff that happened that didn't seem like a big deal. Yeah, and I'm just it's so exciting because it's it's adding depth and it's starting to show you that these guys knew what they were doing. That's awesome. The guys that wrote this show yeah. have had a plan from the beginning. That's really awesome. And they're starting to kind of pay back some of the things that they brought up in season two. Uh, so I, I totally agree that season two, probably when you look back at lost, you know, the season two and probably the last season are going to be the, the two big important ones. Awesome. But yeah, thanks so much Heath, for your call. And we have one more voicemail here. Hey guys, this is Greg from Atlanta, and uh, you're talking about the, in three minutes about uh, about Echo being a priest for only a short time and having that insight when he's telling the story to Michael. But um, I think he's, you know, obviously since his brother's a, pr- a priest and he was, uh, you know, he had the cross originally. I think he was raised that way. I think he's always been toying with that fine line himself uh, about as he killed, um, worrying if, if he was going to hell or or heaven himself. So. Um, I think he has been thinking about it for many years and, uh, and was just uh, relating that to Michael. All right. Talk to you in a bit. Bye. Thanks, Greg. That was a great point also. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had this discussion about, you know, how Echo would have known, you know, I'm trying to remember back here what the conversation was about that he had with Michael. Uh, when Whenever Michael asked about, um, uh, so he, he just said, so I, you're a priest, so I guess you believe in hell. Mm-hmm. And then he got into the conversation about the kid that beat the dog. Right. And um, I think that's the, what he's referencing there is like, okay. this is. But I think we had a conversation about after that about how, you know, Echo hadn't been a priest for very oh, long. Oh, yeah. yeah so therefore that, wouldn't yeah. have had the understanding of the concept really that he was conveying to Michael. But we do forget yeah, that, right. you know, Echo started out as a boy with his brother mm-hmm. and they both seemed to be on a very similar path, you know, very yeah, yeah. righteous path. 
And, you know, ever since that point where he kind of strayed from that path, he's been dealing with these issues, you know, struggling with, you know, who he was versus who he, you know, who he knew he should be. Mm-hmm. So uh, he probably, you know, came to understand that the concepts he was telling Michael right. a long time yeah, before. You're right. Well, I think that's all of our voicemails. Do you have anything else? That's it. Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening uh, to this episode of the Lost Mystery Podcast. On Wednesday, uh, the 11th, we'll be discussing the Glass Ballerina, a sun-slash-gen-centric uh, episode from Season 3. And until then, you all have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Lost Mystery Podcast with Anton and Evan. New episodes are released every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. In the meantime, if you haven't already, you can sign up and become part of our community at LostMysteryPodcast.com. Email us your questions or comments to info at LostMysteryPodcast.com. And please call our listener line at 765-439-4190 with your name, where you're calling from, and also let us know whether or not you'd like your comments to be used on an upcoming episode.